0: Beep, 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 boop. Hey, welcome to Creative Block. We're your host, Jean.
1: And V. We interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and
0: hobbies while we doodle jam. We asked people on Twitter if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts.
1: And today with us, we have Tonico Pantoja.
2: Hey. Woo! Hi, guys. What's going doing? on?
0: Thanks for coming on the show.
2: Of course. It's a beautiful, uh, warm Sunday today. And it is,
0: huh? Got it's my nice, Filipino food. Yeah. Good. Oh, that sounds good. I'm hungry. You should be. I should have. I should have eaten before we started this. Oh, well. <laughs> I'll be fine. I'll just die. Tonico, tell us who you are and what you do.
2: Hi, I'm Tonico. I work as a story artist. I've done some 2D animation and some character design work in uh, the industry. I was at DreamWorks for quite a while, but now I'm currently at Netflix Animation.
0: Nice, it's a hell of a career, yeah, you do a lot on YouTube. you do a lot of uh videos you talk talk a lot about the animation industry, right
2: yeah, it just basically what how I treat my YouTube channel is kind of like a journal um it's just there for me to just express thoughts and feelings um, about my work or you know just things that i do I just want to share, but nothing i I don't really see myself as like a full dedicated youtuber uh just the just the thought of being a youtuber is just like i don't know i don't have a youtuber personality (laughs) makes your skin crawl
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) Uh, i mean it's yeah we're we're trying to become youtubers ourselves (laughs) that's not true at all i yeah there's something really like consuming i think about becoming a full-time youtuber the people that i know that do it just seem miserable (laughs) it's like to have to constantly put out content
2: oh yeah no it's crazy because like i sometimes have to keep uploading stuff weekly
0: mm-hmm.
2: just so that the my my stuff gets shown
1: yeah the algorithm, the algorithm.
2: Mm. and because like i monetize my channel so like yeah. those views you know they kind of do matter it's like i don't really see youtube money as like anything big or anything that i would count on but it's like well you know, it would be nice to to keep it consistent. So I do try to upload like once or every two weeks, but it is so much work.
1: Yeah, because your videos are. I was watching your video on Blender grease pencil be, like earlier this morning because it's actually becoming a tool that is considered uh, by the animation industry. Yeah, <laughs> to be like to probably become uh, like. One of the software's like one of the competitor software's. So I was like watching your video, and I was like, There's a lot of work that goes in these videos. Like, how long would you say you spend on making a video for YouTube?
2: Um, sometimes, well, I would say that it would take me in a total about like two to three full days because like I'll spend maybe an hour just recording uh, the dialogue of what I want to say. Yeah. And then for the YouTube videos, the way I did it was I just, put in recordings of whatever project that I'm working on for fun or um, anything like personal project and then just like have that play on top of my voice or my voice is on top of the, the mm-hmm. video. Then I'll just make slides just like talking about like if I wanted to emphasize things and I'll like add in or record some extra footage just for those specific slides. But it is tiring and sometimes it's so unfulfilling because like that time could be spent like actually making stories or you know working on personal projects things that I, that really matter
0: yeah yeah
2: yeah the editing
0: and the yeah there's a lot of stuff that goes into just making content with a capital C. Yeah. that word just i i hate how everything's been boiled down to content
2: oh dude did you notice that on youtube like it yeah, used to I be did, called yeah. videos and now it's content Oh. yeah
0: it, it's it just feels like everything is oh man this is going to become grandpa gene but like <laughs> it just feels like everything's like boiling down or just like being this like feed bag of fucking shit and it's like but it's so hard to maintain that and it's like i think a lot of artists are struggling with with needing to put out stuff constantly and then it only has a shelf life of like a day yeah and uh and it's gone but um anyway We'll That's, have plenty of time to talk about, to vent yeah. about that.
2: Oh, yeah, totally.
0: Let's hear about, I want to hear about uh, how you got your start as a kid and like, you know, what got you into art and animation in general?
2: Um. So, you know, I grew up in Indonesia mm-hmm. and I grew up in just a pretty small town. I think it was called Chinere. It's been such a long time since I've lived in Indonesia now. But, you know, one of the things that we had was um, a Betamax player and, Mm-hmm. if for those who don't know it's basically the thing that got beat out by the vhs player yeah, but yeah. it still went strong in uh asia also along with the laser disc like you know there were still rental places that had laser discs and uh betamax tapes that you could rent and or buy but uh you know Our our Betamax player, uh, we already had beta tapes of, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Mm -hmm. Disney classics like Rescuers Down Under, like all the really classic Disney stuff. But I remember the one that really stuck out was this uh, Betamax copy of The Last Unicorn, Mm -hmm. which is like, honestly, one of my favorite stories up to now. So, you know, I feel like that one was like, I think from then on, I, I always knew that animation was a medium, not really a genre. Mm-hmm. because like that was like so different to the family friendly stuff it was kind of scary so yeah i mean you know it, i grew up with anime and cartoons um anime was already really big in southeast asia in indonesia we had sailor moon and dragon ball were like already really big over there. the original dragon ball not z yeah yeah and i think cartoon network asia you know we had shows like Akazuki and chacha and uh I mean, I can't remember the Japanese name of this one, but it was the English name was called Ninja Robots, um, yeah. and it was it was cool. And we also got like really cool stuff over there. I'm just trying to think. Like, I think I was always drawing, you know, these characters, but I was also really inspired by video games too. So. Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VIII, Squall Heart, you know, cool design, uh, very emo. I didn't know what emo was back then, but I thought it was cool and edgy.
0: V is an expert.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was so cool and edgy. And then, you know, growing up with sisters who were already into the anime scene, and they, my sister, my oldest sister was already an otaku. So she was already mm-hmm. like, you know, collecting either obscure or, not really well-known anime so we also had a lot of she also collected a lot of anime that had a lot of uh, bishonen like really Mm -hmm. pretty boys and one of them was called fushiki yugi and you know all the all my sisters would swoon over this girly looking dude named hotohori and tamahome Oh, I remember everything. I, remember, I can't believe like, you remember That's all crazy names.
1: that you remember the names, because I yeah. remember reading Fushige Yugi when I was, like, 12. I do not remember any of
2: these characters' names. Oh, yeah. no, I remember, because, like, my sisters would just go, like, "Oh, Team Temahome! Oh, no, 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 Damn. Team, team Hotohori! Like, <laughs> and, you know, there's a crazy love triangle between, like, uh, yeah. them and the is. main character, Miyaka. So I, I remember, like, a lot of stuff. That's
1: so yeah. funny. Did you read Shoujo, or did you just kind of like uh, hear it through your sisters?
2: It was well. We had we. I didn't read it. I just watched it. Oh, it um, was it was
1: on TV, right? Yeah, it was on V
2: eight. We rented VHS tapes of it. Mm. Of Fushigi Ugi Another one that we watched a lot was Ranma. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. One mm-hmm. half,
2: and that one I really liked, and that one was a lot of fun. I I. I I would say like Rambo has been a pretty good inspiration for me because it, it, everything about it is just like super fun and made me want to like just draw those characters. You know, super yeah. short torso, I can super really long see legs. That influence, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. I think I'm just trying to like think about like specific moments, um because I we we did talk about this Jeep, but it was until like the yeah. early two thousands where, you know, mm-hmm. I discovered. Flash, uh, Macromedia yeah. Flash. Before it was called Adobe Animate, it was called Macromedia Flash. Yeah, and we would. I I wanted to make uh, cartoons based off you know my friends at school, so I did that. But then I also discovered the world of like sprite animation. Uh, Mega yeah. Man was my favorite video game of all time. Legends definitely was one of them. But you know there were websites where you could collect sprite sheets of those. Then you. You know, save them, you import them into uh, Flash, and you cut it out, you trace that bitmap, and then you animate it through Flash, and you make a Flash cartoon.
0: It's such a weird snapshot. Like, I feel like if somebody didn't grow up around that time, it just feels so alien. But like, yeah, that was the shit. Like, that I cannot overstate how fucking popular that stuff was when because we're probably the same age, right? And like, more or less. And like, Yeah, those early days of, like, animation was so much sprite animation because I think it just didn't take up as many resources. You didn't have to be a good artist, necessarily. And so you could just focus on the actual animating and, like, the dynamics and making stuff look cool. And I kind of miss that. I've been trying to figure out how to, like, bring it into my own work almost and, like, to focus more on the animating and less on the drawing because the drawing part always wears me down. But, yeah, sprite animation was was, was, – a gateway for a lot of people, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was basically just like uh, you know grabbing certain posts and just manipulating them and moving them around. Yeah. And you know that was also when I started discovering websites like Newgrounds, where people yeah. made parody cartoons of it with uh, you know really crass <laughs> and crude humor. Um, yeah. So it was um, it was a good time. And then there were like flash cartoons that I discovered, like Genry's Blade, which just like pushed the flash medium all the way through and you know maybe go holy crap i can make this in flash 5 on my windows 95 yeah. oh my god i gotta learn how to do this stuff and then you know i i played around with it but i don't think it was until like the start of the end of middle school and the start of high school where i considered learning how to draw um yeah
1: because that's what i was gonna ask were you like a drawing before you started animating like uh, on a regular basis
2: I think, well, I played around with Flash and I drew a lot, but it was like very, you know, early Flash cartoons look. Like very basic and I didn't really study drawing. Mm. And the only time I considered studying like how to draw the fundamentals and stuff like that was through high school. Mm. You know, because like I wanted to up my draftsmanship and there were a lot of internet forums that always talked about good draftsmanship and, you know, drawing Mm -hmm. and how you should not draw anime and just uh you know Mm -hmm. you know yeah it's just like don't draw anime learn from like the classics if you want to be a good draw. you gotta learn how to draw good if you want to get into animation and there was there was a lot of communities like that who were very gung-ho in draftsmanship you know v and i we used to hang out in another forum called joined artists too yeah and that one you know had a lot of very skilled teens and teens who were into screamo music
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) but also like the cool thing was that like people were driven because i remember uh what was his username nanoko i guess like he yeah he got into the animation industry leader and our friend max was on the the forum spencer one spencer
2: came in i think the third wave of joined artists so because like that place shut down just randomly like out of nowhere and then uh Jay, uh J-A-E started the third batch or the third form for it mm. so he um so that's when like everyone came back uh cliff uh mischief and then you know that's how right. spencer came about mm. spencer won that's who we're talking about so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it, there was like a pool of like super talented people but there sometimes people were just like super angry and you know the feedback wasn't really feedback it was more about just like attacking the other person yeah and telling them like how stupid they were
0: uh
1: that's yeah. interesting because i don't remember that side of it but also like i guess i was not like that much on the forums and i didn't post that much but i could see that yeah i could i, could, I mean it was a lot of kids from Newgrounds, right
2: oh yeah it, i remember there was another guy zwickle he was the one who brought me to uh, join artists and the way he sold it was like you've been invited to this um, <laughs> to this society or this uh, thing. And I'm like, whoa, I feel special. And then like I came in at the same time this other user named Leafworthy came into. I don't know if anyone really remembers him, but he used to be pretty big in the Newgrounds rounds or the flash animation days. Yeah. But yeah, like it felt like I was part of this like really elite or cool. You know gang but at the same time like it was also like v- harsh alan was also in there too and oh, you know right. we would always talk about like wow what is up with these people like, why are they so mad
0: <laughs> yeah there's a weird like i i man i don't know there's a toxicity to the to the flash animation community and like i think it was definitely because it was a lot of like lonely edgelord kids but unfortunately, I feel like a lot of them are still like that, and like there's still uh, a problem with with that scene, and it sucks because it's like there's no reason why it should be like that. But
1: I kind of get it. I don't it. know. I feel like I remember I remember those days when I was on like when I would hang out on Newgrounds or like on those forums, and yeah, you're you know, there's definitely like. The loneliness and, like, you don't really know. Yeah. You don't have friends, so you don't know how to be social. You don't know how to connect with
0: others. I mean, it's kind of, like, <laughs> by... By I, like you can't um you can't be putting your that much of your time into something like animation and then you know at that time flash was kind of the only tool it just happened to be the yeah. that's what the community built itself around but like you can't put that much time into it and also <laughs> have a social life like oh, i feel real. like if you're out if yeah. you have friends and you're you know you're one of the kids that has a bunch of friends and is popular you're probably not spending hours at home animating 100 on percent yeah and so like that's what i you know personally that's what i poured my time into because it was like i had control over that that's a good
2: thing that i even remember but yeah like i would kind of say that i was i wouldn't say that i was a super lonely kid but i could see myself being alone because you know most of my attention was based on you know the internet or right you know uploading my newest deviant art sketch or um, yeah you know trying to mingle with the knee community so i didn't really um you know get in touch with a lot of like my real life friends and I mean, I had a pretty good set of friends who were really supportive of what I did, even though that I didn't feel like I was edgy or cool with them, like they were pretty supportive in what I was doing. So I think I had a good circle of friends growing up.
0: Online or in person? Like in, in person. You know, so okay, like
2: I, I didn't, so I felt like what I, whatever I was doing, it, it felt like a good thing.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's really great. Yeah, that is good. That's I, I definitely gravitated towards the artsier kid in my class and, like, would try to form bonds around, like, we both like to make stuff, you know, especially as I, as I got older, that was always, like, a priority almost, but it's hard. I think, you know, if you can't find that and you're an artistic kid, it's, like, you're gonna gravitate towards the internet, making connections there, and, and finding these communities, and Oh, boy, I just hope that community like actually isn't isn't toxic and and shitty and, you know, it's like
1: it's it's like because it's funny because for me as a kid, I moved right around the moment when I spent a lot of time on the Internet was the moment when I moved for the first time. So I lost all of my childhood friends. So I started going on French forums and then we moved to the States and then I. I don't know. I, I was on French forums for a while and they were funny enough. They were not that toxic. People were pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And then I started okay. like when I was in in the US and I started getting better with English. That's when I kind of started like hanging out on Newgrounds. And it's it was definitely a, a different vibe. But the, I think Newgrounds, like I think the probably the positive side of, you know, it's kind of it's got it had like the wall and there was like a rank with number 1 to 10 i think and you kind of wanted your art to be <laughs> ranked on the on the oh, front page yeah. so- no. I feel that would push you as a kid to do some really good stuff you know
2: it Was are you saying this is in the French forums or the American no no no. that
1: was Newgrounds that's Newgrounds yeah, like having no. this rank and like, like kind of pushing you because you know like French forums was just like a forum someone would post their art people would be pretty nice it was just very low key so there wasn't like a whole lot of incentive to get better whereas Newgrounds are like those communities just because of that ranking system I guess like that kind of create I don't know it's just something I'm just saying that yeah. No, no,
2: you're. You, I think you're hitting something because, like, I do remember like being addicted to like making a uh, top daily feature. Like, oh god, yeah, yeah, and you know, I would hit those like time to time. Actually, no, I hit them all because I would only like submit a cartoon once a year, pretty much, and I would always hit like you know top daily feature or whatever. But then, like, the last thing that I uploaded to Newgrounds, I didn't even get that. I got, like, second, and I deleted it. I was so pissed at myself. Like, <laughs> it does something wow. um, to you. Like, you get really, really... Um, you get really deep into that game. And it's yeah. kind of like you get this feeling like, oh, man, I, did I get worse? Did I just suck? So... I totally understand. Like, yeah, that is a factor that I totally forgot to consider. And even back in deep uh, deviant art, the daily deviation. True. Like, yep. Yep. I never really got a
1: work. single daily deviation because I never did fan art, so I never got featured. Oh,
2: I
0: I don't think you had to do fan art, but. Yeah, I
2: got a few of original stuff. Yeah. And wow, if you did guys. like some. Fully produced flash animation that you know it doesn't yeah. have any story or anything, you're gonna get one. Like, it was, oh, yeah,
0: I think I had one for sure. Maybe,
1: two. oh my god, that reminds me, this is insane. But I literally, now that you said that, I literally had this flashback of me going through DeviantArt and being like, How can I get a daily deviation? and then going to like, Oh, I like flash cartoons, and then I was like, Hmm, I could probably pull this off and
2: that's oh i could do this oh my god this is so big if you're someone who could do like frame by frame animation because that was a big deal like if you were if you were someone who did frame by frame meaning you did hand-drawn animation where each frame or there's a new drawing for each movement like you were considered an animation god So you were looked up to if you were able to do like frame by frame, like traditional 2D style animation on Flash and keep a consistency. And because like a lot of people who are young really, really wants to be able to do that. And if you could do that, then you were automatically seen as a master.
1: That's so fun. Yeah. That's so true. It's so funny. Because I do remember the first time I met you, Tonico, like online, because... Uh, we've like we hung out since I remember I think I was probably 16 and I remember seeing your animations and I was just like what the hell dude like it was so (laughs) fucking polished I was like because you had like painted backgrounds you had animated like full like uh, hand-drawn animation and you had like and like the designs were complex compared to a lot of the other cartoons that were being made I remember all that and I was just like (laughs)
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, like it's just like me having way too much time to myself um you know didn't really have any after school activities or um or a lot of like clubs or friends that i hung out with after school it was basically just like yeah i'm gonna use my time to make these cartoons and you know do average at school
1: how many cartoons do you think you made by the end of high school
2: by the end of high school um mm. hmm not i would say like not much like i would because i had a so i have a lot of like things that are left incomplete they're just like a few shots and sequences that i started and just gave up on but in terms of completion i would say like i could only uh think of like five
0: that's already a lot that's a good
2: amount because
1: your cartoons were kind of long they were a couple of minutes long
2: they were some of them were like long some of them were just like super short but like super colored with broken english because i was just like i was not a good english student so of course my grammar was off so yeah it was it was a time um and also like finishing something i realized is super hard and i think that's kind of why like that experience like really helped me with uh really helped me with cal arts films Mm, right because like that experience was just like crunching and you know, working super hard on like cartoons and how to like prioritize and things like really helped me with when I went to CalArts later on. But of course, I went to Sheridan before that. So yeah, I guess that also helped.
1: How did that work for you? Like, so you did you move to Canada right after you finished high school?
2: Yeah, so I think by my junior year, we, me, my brother and my mom, we flew to Canada to see to do some school scouting and i checked out uh vfs so vancouver film school the arts institute of vancouver Uh, and i was about to go to that one because my dad really just wanted me to go to that one and you know be close to my brother because my brother was going to go to ubc but then we visited sheridan college in toronto and well in oakville technically it was like it, it, it was basically like, oh my God, deviant art, but in real life, because <laughs> there was a lot of like people like me who were a fan of cartoons, cartoons you know, they were nerds and, mm-hmm. uh, they all had like desks right next to each other and they had incredible art, like plastered on the walls. And, you know, that felt like a community that yeah. I wanted to be a part of. So yeah. that's kind of why I went for Sheridan, but. Uh, you know, I did the animation uh, portfolio. I tried to do it and uh, I got rejected. So, you know, I considered, okay, maybe I should just go into the art fundamentals program because, you know, even though it's going to take an extra year and, you know, when you're 18 or 17, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to be held back. Oh no, I have to like do an extra thing. Like, you know it, it it did feel pretty big at first but then i was glad that i took it because um you know i got to spend time learning how to draw um you know making new communities and you know being in a place far away from home so i really enjoyed my time doing art fundamentals for sure yeah i
1: think it's like a really necessary step in my opinion like because i i have like a similar trajectory than yours i guess because like i also did one year of like a fundamental school like drawing before going into Goblin. so like yeah it. i think i'm happy that i did that
2: <laughs> I, I remember like you posted when you got accepted to Goblin, you showed us your port you showed the joint artists form your uh the work that you submitted and it was just like on another level like oh my god we have to like be that high to get in like either go or any other animation school like Dear Lord. Oh, did
1: I scare you? Oh my gosh. That's so funny. It didn't, but like,
2: I mean, it didn't scare me. It was just more like, oh man, okay. I gotta, I gotta like, you know, gotta work hard. Gotta, uh, you know, pump it up. And it was super, it was more inspiring than anything really.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's funny because for me, I remember when I posted that, cause I don't know, I think I, I said that in my episode, but there were some people when I got, so I showed you guys like what I submitted. And I actually got into Goblant, but there were some people that actually said like, Oh, I can't believe he got in. Like, she's not at the mm. level of like the school and stuff.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's like every other, um, yeah. school. Cause like, you know, CalArts, like there were some people who had really bad portfolios. Like they didn't even understand like anatomy or like basic figure drawing, but they still got in. And it's the same with Sheridan. Like there's people who are clearly not skilled, but somehow got in. So... It's it's going to happen every time or everywhere. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, people have said that I probably shouldn't have gotten into CalArts. Um,
0: Whatever. I,
2: it's, it happens, it, it, yeah.
0: Yeah, haters are going to hate, man. I don't know. It, who your
2: cares? Your whole life. Your whole life. Yeah, th- there's
0: always going to be somebody to talk shit. But, yeah, so, so uh, talk about that a little bit more, like your college experience, and then um, maybe transition into, like, how you kind of first got your start doing work professionally.
2: Um, College, CalArts, I would say like was a tough experience for me, but I think I needed it, you know, because it's, you're far away from home. Oh yeah. And like the people are, you know, quite different. And I think I mean, not quite different in a bad way because like Canadians are super nice uh, and my friends at Sheridan were like one of the best ever. And then when you move to CalArts, like there's a bit of coldness with the students over there. Well, with how I felt um, and, you know, it might not be true, but there were moments where I felt like, you know, these people were cold. There were times where I got left behind a bar or, you know, people would go, dr- uh, you know, drive somewhere to dinner, you know, without letting me know or telling me. And these were friends that I knew too. So it was a very different Feeling Maybe I got spoiled from uh, Sheridan because like at Sheridan, like my friends would go like, hey, you want to get lunch You want or you want to get dinner? Come on, let's wait for everyone and, you know, let's figure something out. But the student body of CalArts at the time was just like, eh, they just disappeared. So I did feel like a bit of coldness with that. But in terms of the learning experience, I think I liked it uh, because, you know, I got to be really close with some of my animation teachers, uh, with some of my mentors, and they were really giving me some great feedback and how I could improve. Um, it was a good place for me to sort of figure out what type of work I want to do. The short films are the things that I really benefited from. And that's one of the reasons why I chose CalArts. Like you got to, you got to make a film every year, but it was also quite hard because like, you know, the, the stigma of CalArts is that like a lot of the kids there either get really good internships. Um, like when I, applied to CalArts, there was a lot of, like, superstars like, you know, Nelson Bowles, Jeff flew mm. um, Also from Joint Artists, by the way.
1: Oh, true, huh?
2: Yeah. Who, who else? Who else? Like, Sabrina Cotuno. Like, these are people, or, you know, at the time, like, Skylar Page. And these were people who were just, like, as much as I hate using this word in animation, the rock stars <laughs> of, of CalArts. So they would nail yeah. some really good internships. And, you know, like, oh, man, I want to be a part of this family. And, you know, what was hard was that every year at CalArts, I always tried to get the internship and I never got it. Mm. And all my friends who were good and got that internship, like, came back as if, like, they they learned a lot from it. Like, I had a big experience of, like, FOMO and things like that.
1: Oh, yeah, I get that. I, I relate to that a lot. I feel like when I was in Goublanc, I there were, like, other students that would get freelance they were in 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 class just like getting a bunch of freelance and i was just like how do you even know anyone
2: that will pay you
1: (laughs) getting internships is hard i don't know
2: yeah it's um i think because like i never got an internship i always felt like i was behind Mm. and it, it kind of i would say like this is all in my head for sure now that i reflect on it but i did feel a sense of alienation because um you know when my friends got back from the internship it felt like you know it kind of felt like they were patronizing me every time they gave a feedback Like, oh, oh you know, know
0: yeah yeah you
2: know at, at like disney you would do it this way or right, at this on. like and then you know i would finish like one of my films uh, and this was at a time I'd, when i finished my third year film wolf song and i finished it and you know some of those people who did those internships went i think you're ready for the internship <gasps> just like oh, okay fine. oh no Oh my Um, gosh! (laughs) So it was like it it did feel like a bit weird, and I think it it it, at that point when someone said that to me, I didn't really feel anything anymore because I was just so like burnt out and tired from it. Mm -hmm. And I realized that it really, really um you know fried me up just like being worried about that and working so hard about that Mm because you know when I did get an internship, I would work super hard during the summer, Mm -hmm. like just to you know make up for it, but
1: what would you work on, or like, what were you? What was your goal for?
2: So I would do like eleven second club challenges. Oh I don't know right! Mm-hmm. If you yeah. remember, that. I
1: remember that. That was such a big thing.
2: Yeah, I did that a lot because I was just like, I got improved somehow, and then I would also like just think about my next film. Like this, is this next film is going to help me, you know, make this next film is going to get me that internship i re i realized like maybe by the end of my third year i was just like you know what i just want to make films just for the fun of it Mm -hmm. like it was just too tiring like always constantly fighting for the internship and it always made me feel awful but yeah like i think you know after finishing a film like wolf Songs after my third year film you know i actually got a job offer but i couldn't take it it was a really good offer too at the time um it was for blizzard Mm, oh, well. and I remember. it was for the, mm-hmm. the blizzard cinematics team and you know no one at my at school considered blizzard as a place to work in it was just like oh dreamworks oh nickelodeon oh like yeah, animation yeah. places but you know like that was the first time I, like blizzard reached out and said hey we saw your film you you know we're offering you this but of course i couldn't take it because of visas but deep down i wanted to do another year at cal arts because i liked the the filmmaking aspect of of what the school is like making films and being in a crunch and just making like the best film that you can uh in that circumstance and i really miss that i think that's the bit that i really had fun with um overall
0: yeah i think you should talk a little bit about the visa stuff because i know and and v you have some input too but the the visa struggles are uh, a nightmare (laughs) like everything i've heard about people who end up in america and just want to stay in America working in animation or in art, it's like, you have to jump through hoops just to like, you know, yeah. not get kicked out.
2: Yep. I mean, we're both uh, green card carriers now, so. yeah, oh, that's good.
1: I remember, it's crazy, because I remember I was in Japan when you started talking about the green card or like your visas. And at the time, for me, when I was in Japan, I felt like it was impossible for me to go to the US because I was like, someone has to believe in me enough that they are gonna be willing to convince the studio to get me a visa. At the time, I thought getting a visa, it was like so much money and impossible. Now, knowing how studios work, I'm like a visa is not that much money, honestly. No, for <laughs> it's them, like- no.
2: It's not that much money, but sometimes like the, the producers make it seem like a big deal. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll talk yeah. about this, maybe I'll talk about this now, but there was one time yeah. where, um, where I, I was threatened on the phone oh. by a, a producer because, you know, there was a time where I was about to just jump ship to another studio because the studio that I was in would not uh, accept my, my negotiation. And they, said, and they finally accepted after like several weeks and they said, if you decide to jump to this studio, you know, we're paying so much for your one visa. And if you do quit, you're burning bridges. And this oh, is yeah, all on the yeah. phone i wish i recorded it honestly but oh, that God. was a that was an actual threat and i even said like yo you know this took weeks to like for you guys to accept it. you're like yeah but you know the reality's uh you know terrible
1: honestly that's something that has happened to a friend of mine like someone not someone that is not you <laughs> but by that i mean by that i mean it's like this is a pretty common occurrence for studios to blackmail. Yeah. I mean, it sounds really harsh, but it's definitely something that happens and that is very scary. It's like
0: bordering on blackmail. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. it really is like putting pressure on you because you have no legal obligation to stay at a studio just because they paid for the work visa. Like that's their, you know, companies will pay for like relocation costs. Like that's a thing that happens with uh, like game studios and shit. Like, you know, they're hiring from all over the country or the world. And so it's just like trying to bully people to not leave is like fuck off like you as if you don't have the money to to do this like it's just so fucked up i
1: think yeah something that i would say would be like i mean especially i mean i guess now that i have been here for a couple years if i could talk to my older self i would be like yeah if they did uh go through the trouble of getting you the visa for the first time you're good enough don't worry about burning bridges yeah exactly yeah but that's it's really hard because when you first come to the country you know but i don't know like yeah yeah, how do you feel tonico about all that about like
2: uh visas in general or like
1: or or just like you know like if you could like when you were on the phone with that person did you feel like you didn't really have a choice or did you or like did did that like kind of
2: Impact, I think, in a way, like I think it was both. Like, I didn't have a choice, but at the same time, I was like, I mean, I there was another offer that I had that I could right. just like bring up and say, Hey, mm. you know, etc., etc. And I, I still had my other uh visa at the time, my own old 01. So mm. if I left, it wouldn't be a big deal. Oh, yeah,
0: oh, yeah. So, how did
1: that work? Like, kind of, can you explain that for yeah. our audience a little bit?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, what you get what you can do is um, go through your own lawyer instead of a studio's lawyer and they'll give you some ideas on like how you could do that you know one way is to either do it through an agency maybe it's through like Gotham or whatever they're the ones who sponsor your your visa and if you do gigs for example for Nickelodeon it's Nickelodeon paying that agency and then that agency pays you because you're supposed to according to your visa you're only supposed to receive income from the place of your sponsorship so I would get paid from Gotham for example um, so I went through something like that where you know we had to sort of like you know talk with the lawyers and have a, a corporation figured out to do that stuff and it was just like a lot of like you know it's not just like that it's also like getting letters from people that you've worked with in the industry and yeah then-
0: the referrals yeah yeah
2: yeah and then like having an itinerary of like oh these are the works i'm going to do with these specific people and they have to sign it to to prove that it's like okay this is legit and then just like articles about your work Mm -hmm. if your name's been mentioned online um if you've won awards like that's evidence for that oh one visa that helps build that case Mm -hmm. so I would recommend, like, anyone to, like, anyone trying to get into, like, the visa stuff, like, consider looking into a lawyer because they're going to also, like, try and figure out, like, what's specific to you um, rather than just, like, oh, you in the studio, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. That, Yeah, that stuff can get expensive, too. Like, I just, I take for granted the fact that, like, my parents did the hard work of of getting me over here and I don't have to deal with with any of that because, man, that sounds stressful.
1: It's, like, honestly, it definitely feels like a second job <laughs> when i yeah, finally I got imagine. my green card i was like oh the possibility i am
2: free oh my god yeah like i feel so free now yeah, like yeah, just yeah. having the green card it, yeah. it, it was like if, if it wasn't for the pandemic i would have been in vegas right now just like splurging <laughs> oh, yeah. and going to the buffets and just eating a lot yeah or sending my friends to party with me but I, you know we both got it during the pandemic so it was the most bittersweet like yeah. experience because like we got it but it's like because like so if when you're when they're processing your green card you can't really leave the country and yeah. you can't really travel so you have to kind of stay put <laughs> and then once we got it it's like well we still can't leave because yeah, pandemic.
1: Can't i'm so so this happy though i feel like even though i got it during the pandemic i was just so happy that i was just like wow if I am not happy on a job. I can quit. <laughs> yeah. That's the best yeah. that's the best thing for me because honestly it's just like, yeah, like if you're on a visa and you're like you, you go on a production and then it's like, gosh dang it, it's not the right fit, like, you know, and it's just uh I can't do like, it, and then it becomes really hard cause you can't really look for a job cause you can't post it on social media cause it looks really bad. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. so
2: <laughs> Oh yeah. And then like, because and also takes time to like process, like if you're on a visa and you mm-hmm. switch to another one, it's like, okay, that's another, like uh, a few weeks to like a month or so just to get a new visa under that new, that new studio that you're gonna work for. It's so tiring.
1: Yeah, it's it's yeah. very stressful. Uh, it, it really is. But we are out of the weeds,
2: we're out of the weeds now. Yeah, feels uh, good.
1: That opens a lot of possibilities too, but like before going into that realm of possibilities, because that was the thing that I kept saying, I was like, when I'll have a green card, well, maybe I'll go indie or whatever.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking Oh
1: <laughs> Yeah. Before we go into that segment, I was going to ask you, so you did, you finish your films at CalArts, you had the offer from Blizzard, and what happened after that?
2: Oh, yeah, so during um, fourth year CalArts, like, DreamWorks announced that they were doing a story trainee program, and uh, they were looking for people, or potential trainees for that, and... I actually just like I think me and a few classmates, we 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 applied for it and we we made a portfolio for it. And then we got an email back saying, hey, you're we'd like to give you a test for it. And they gave us a test right in the middle of crunch time in our films. So mm-hmm. we had to basically do a storyboarding assignment based on a prompt and on top of our student films. So <laughs> that that one sucked because like I did have to sacrifice a week or two doing, doing that assignment rather than working on the short film. And so when we got the the test, we're thinking, okay, they're just going to make us do what the previous trainees did was with like, okay, Kung Fu Panda characters doing, uh, following a script, but no, they were like, no, let's make them come up with their own characters, their own story and following this sort of theme and, or prompt. And we're just like, oh my God, it's, it's like brainstorming a mini film. Why? And, mm. So we did it, I did it, and then we submitted it. And then they called us in for the interview. And I remember that was the first time I met Red Sechrist because he was oh, yeah. the one who was going to lead that trainee program. So he was in the room, Tracy, I think was Tracy Mears. So yeah, it was an interview and just basically just did that and just waited to hear back. And some of my classmates started getting, you know, acceptance. Like they got the trainee. So two of them already got it. And I think those were the only two that did the test really, in my school. And so I'm waiting and I just finished my film and, you know, my film gets accepted for the producer show at CalArts and during producer show, that's when I got the offer to, like, do the to do the trainee. But here's a funny story around that, this time because after I finished my film, I also applied for the Pixar internship again and they never responded back. so I, So I asked them, like, hey, what's new with that? And they were like, oh yeah we were due to the overwhelming you know people who applied we decided to move forward with our candidates and i'm just like okay whatever yeah Mm. and then four days after the producer show pixar reached out again saying hey would you like to do the internship and i said wait did you guys just reject me did you guys just turn me down and they were like yeah but the you know the supervisor saw your film at the producer show and they would like you as a as an intern i said I'm sorry, but I have a job offer now, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, okay, that's cool." I said, "But you know, in the future, I would love to like work with you guys in the future." And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, maybe." They said that on the phone, and <laughs> then after, okay, and I, and then after that call, this is this is the kicker. So after that call, for I think it was like about two or four minutes after the call, I get an email from Pixar, basically resending my rejection letter, what? saying like, you know, what due the to the overwhelming. Due to the overwhelming candidates, we decided to move forward. So they resend me my rejection letter again. So I'm just like, what the hell?
0: Somebody's not communicating. That's insane.
2: Yeah. And then like, uh, and, you know, sometime I was, after I was hired at DreamWorks and I was already working there sometime and, you know, one of my friends, Mike Yates moved to Pixar already because uh, people were already starting to move around and DreamWorks was at a weird time. So my friend, Mike Yates, like went to Pixar and, you know he was doing every he, he's, a, he's a he's a trainee partner too so he was like hey you know let me recommend you you know it won't hurt." so i said okay that's that's really nice of you mike and you know i get an email from one of the recruiters at pixar that said hey taniko i just want to let you know your friend sent me your way and i just want to let you know we're not moving forward with you what happy to keep in touch Man. though and i never talked to this recruiter once in uh my life, so it, it, I had a very weird relationship with Pixar in general.
1: That is yeah. wow. That is that wow.
0: <laughs> it's it's always it's like disappointing but not surprising. Yeah. I don't know. What? It's just
1: I don't know. You know, like I feel like just tell me once. I just need to yeah, hear
0: the rejection just once, please. <laughs> don't keep rejecting me. Yeah,
1: I I, yeah, just, I got it the first just... time. I'm not that dense, you know. <laughs> Oh
2: boy, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, it was um it was it was a good, it was a crazy time, but you know, there was a time when I was working at Dreamworks um you know, because they couldn't secure my work visa, I had to fly back to the Philippines to just live there for 6 months basically doing freelance uh for people and you know at that time you don't know if you're going to get the O one one or not it's still like in the air so i was already considering like maybe i move to europe maybe i check out england or maybe i move to new zealand and check out these places so i got really really excited and then that's when you know i got an email saying hey just letting you know your O one's been approved so that means oh okay that you know i have to like really start moving think reconsidering moving back to america because once you get that 01 approved there's a time set on how long that lasts for right but that doesn't mean that i can fly back immediately because i still have to do the embassy stuff i have to get it stamped and in the philippines that takes at least like a month or so Mm -hmm. um it takes a month to reserve it to you send in your thing and during christmas it's so packed so i don't think i got my passport to like maybe a week or two and then that's when I could fly back and work in the U.S. again. So yeah, visas and work, oh. Oof. <laughs>
1: that's so much. Big oof. It's Yeah, it's a lot. Ah, boy, oh boy. I'm glad that, yep. yeah, we made it through. <laughs> Would you have- It was uh, good times. Yeah. New Zealand sounds awesome though. <laughs> Oh, I
2: I started daydreaming. I was like, okay, maybe I should move to uh, these these places.
0: God, I dream of living in New Zealand. But I also haven't visited, so maybe I'd hate it. But it just from what I hear, it sure seems nice.
2: Yeah, like living in Middle Earth. Yeah. Seeing the Kiwis like, and stuff. There's
0: beautiful vistas all around. Nice, quaint little towns. Yeah. So uh, what would your career take you from there?
2: Um. So I went back to DreamWorks. I think that was my uh, third time coming back to dreamworks because the second time i mean the first time i got let i wasn't really let go but they made it sound like i got let go but they basically asked me if i wanted to move to tv so i said yes so they're like okay we're letting you go from feature but we're hiring you back into tv they're kind of different companies in the in a way because i had to get a different visa for each of those yeah so it's like i and that's when they couldn't secure my work visa so i had to fly back so when i came back that was my third time being at um dreamworks so i was there working under the the chris sanders version of the croods too and then NBC or comcast bought off dreamworks and that's when like they decided to shelve some projects for the time being one of one of them was mine and i got let go again so the i fact. was just like working for different places. I, I worked at Strange Weather Films, then I went to work for Tonko House, which is a great place. And then around um, September of next, next year, I, that's, when, uh, that's when I got brought back into DreamWorks Animation for uh, Dragons 3. And then I've worked on a bunch of projects since. And then I went to Netflix and that was based on a choice that I made Instead of being let go again, I said, I think I'm going to move to Netflix because with DreamWorks, I felt like I was uh, being loaned out to several different projects rather than belonging in a project. Yeah. So there's a there's a thing at DreamWorks called Dreamtime. Basically, it's it's their version of Gap. And, you know, Gap sounds ideal at first because it's like, oh, you're not really on a project. You don't really have to work and you can basically do whatever and you're explain, getting paid for explain it. Explain
0: Gap because I don't know what that means.
2: So it's basically like you're not in a project.
0: Okay.
2: You're not under a production. You're okay. under the studio and usually like they just put you into random projects for the time being. Or they don't. And when they don't it's like, "Oh, okay, you're <laughs> just there to show up." Yeah. Damn. But okay. and it sounds ideal at first, but then there were times where they'll put you in like, "Oh, do this marketing marketing assignment that the the advertisement team needs like do these advertisement tools or Mm -hmm. here come up with this drawing or fix this drawing for this thing and then you know they would bring you on to some projects just to do fixes and cleans and it didn't feel good so you know i i was also doing some work for kipo and then so for crudes too for Mm -hmm. under joel crawford and then after you know my, my work was done on on Joel Crawford's version of the crew 2 I was put back on Gap again. I wasn't immediately transferred to a new project. so hmm. that's when I decided okay, I'm gonna have to go back to my Netflix software and see if they still have it available. And they said yes and I said, okay, you know there's a project that actually you know wants me so that's kind of why I decided to you know give up my DreamWorks visa, uh, leave DreamWorks and go for Netflix because being in Gap is just like, like what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. And you don't really feel like you, you're a part of anything,
1: right? I see. Yeah,
0: yeah, I can see that being very like feeling othered almost, like you're not a part of any any team.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that I'm here now because um, I do feel like I am contributing to stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's been a, that's been a whole journey, dude. I feel like. Um and netflix that has been how many months now
2: netflix has been years like well not years (laughs) since february 2019 oh yeah Yeah. so it's two years two two years and almost a half
1: oh yeah yeah, that's awesome technically (laughs) yours
0: yeah technically uh that's great man yeah that's a hell of a journey i think that like you seem to really like know what you want and you pursue it and that's great And then you have the skills to back it up so you actually can, like, push forward. And I guess – and then having that green card is, like, probably makes it so much easier to actually make those decisions when you're not worrying about being, you know, kicked out of the country for just following, like, what you want to do.
2: Yeah, it it does feel like a huge, um, you know, golden chain ball attached to you.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a very good description.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. You mentioned, you talked a little bit about your influences, like you've mentioned like Mega Man Legends and Final Fantasy VIII.
2: And seven, but VIII, oh man, Squall and the Gunblade and Emo-ness. Gunblade
0: is great, yeah, I'm a big fan of any Gunblade.
2: I feel like that would break anyone's wrist, right? Like you're holding
0: a No, 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 yeah, no, your arm is shattered. Yeah,
2: Jesus Christ. Totally
0: impractical, terrible idea, but it's fucking, it's
2: Is that a Tatinumura thing? I feel like it would be. I think
0: yeah, I think he did all the uh designs for all that. And the belts. And the belts. So many belts. So many belts. Um what other stuff do you consider an influence on your work?
2: Um definitely like I mean there was I I'm I'm like I'm like going th- flipping through my memory right now. <laughs> I think Escaflone was one of the Interesting. Actually. Okay. Uh Escaflone, um I, I mean the reason is because like that was the first time I saw anime where the noses didn't look like it was just like no a block. Yeah. But also lo-
1: the nose and Escaflun are like so
2: they're, they're, they're so beautiful. Like if you see their side profile, it's like Damn, that's a fine nose. Like
0: I'm looking at it now. I don't think Oh my god, Schnauzer yeah, they really crazy. do got some They're schnauzers. they're
2: really beautiful uh, schnauzers. Yeah. Yeah. And they're Looks very like, pretty too. Yeah. It's like my nose.
0: Man, that's crazy.
2: So, Escaflona was one of them, uh, was one of my, like, inspirations, because I, I mean, I love the anime, I love the soundtrack, I love the overall tone and mood and just, like, the atmosphere of it. Mm. Escaflona is one of them. It's funny, because, like, the character designer for that, uh, Nobuteru Yuki, like, did a bunch of stuff that I ended up liking, but I didn't know was him, so i think he did like character designs for an ova based on like leiji matsumoto's uh, captain harlock and he did an ova designs where of course like it had the leiji matsumoto feel but everyone had cool noses and i was like whoa this art style is cool i love the 70s art style so i go back and i look at leiji matsumoto and i'm like okay that's really cool but where are the noses what the hell I i was fooled yeah and then you know that's when you learn that oh okay it's it's a particular dude who do those really nice notes okay awesome. I think Wolf Scream was one of them that really inspired me in anime
0: mm. okay interesting I don't hear that me- neither of these I hear mentioned very often and so it's it's nice to hear something that's yeah out of the norm
2: those
1: are like a little bit more like adult too you know I guess like
0: yeah yeah for sure I think so.
2: Yeah, because like, um, I know in America, like Dragon Ball Z, Dr- Cowboy Bebop, and Tsunami, like was really big. But I think we also got a lot of like other anime here too that aren't as popular. Like I think we got like Technolized. We got we got all these like really deep. I wouldn't say deep, but maybe like not super mainstream anime. Right. Some of them were really experimental so
1: it's funny because for me like being in france i was watching cowboy bebop and escaflowney at the same time like those were like the big anime that was on like like national tv i guess at the time so
2: yeah a blend blend of both yeah and cyber six was one of them actually cyber six damn
0: like i didn't really
2: because i saw it as a kid back in singapore and I didn't. I for, I totally forgot what the name was, but I remember like what uh, the designs and the overall like characters just yeah. like stuck in my head for a long time, and it took me like years later to find out what that anime or cartoon was. Yeah, it's kind of. And I fun. found it. Yeah, it is obscure, and I found it. I'm like, oh my god! Like I can see why this appealed to me. Like everything about it is so like it's 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 edgy. It's stylized, and it makes like things that I don't think that I would like look really cool.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I feel like your work has kind of like a, um, saying, like a storybook quality almost, and it's maybe like sort of Disney adjacent, but you know a lot of the references and stuff you're mentioning are like anime and video games, and I'm wondering if there's something that you're pulling from with that kind of style. That's sort of you know like like the you know like the animals and like
2: big just, hair, uh, yeah, epic yeah. noses.
0: Yes, epic noses and big hair. But is there something that you're, like, pulling from with that?
2: I noticed that I really love izakai anime. That's, Interesting. Um, I think, like, I I think, like, for me, the things that I catered towards to as a kid was, like, stories of, like, ordinary people in, like, really weird places. So, you know, there's there's video games that do have that element. There's a lot of anime that have that element. So I do gear towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm just trying to think.
1: Because like, you, you did talk about the... Um last unicorn
0: oh yeah
2: yeah so i i mean the thing that i loved about the last unicorn was just like so at first i thought it was just like the overall mood the tone the the music music's great by the way what else like just the character design and how scary things can be but i really like the story overall like i like stories about i like coming of age stories mm-hmm. I sure. like stories where it's about like self-discovery and you know one of the reasons why the last unicorn really appealed to me was um, was it wasn't your classic like good guy versus you know bad guy sort of thing. It was about an immortal creature that suddenly became well later in the film she, or the story she, she is transformed into a human. And she hates it so much, mm-hmm. but she starts developing human emotions and stuff like that, and like, she starts <laughs> to fall in love with the prince, and like stuff like that. I find really compelling. It's a good story, yeah.
0: Yeah, I can see, I can see that
2: mm-hmm.
0: being an influence. We gotta ask the creative block question. How do you deal with creative block, and what does it look mm-hmm. like for you?
2: Creative block, creative block. I think it comes in many different. <laughs> the block itself. It can be a fat block. It can be a tall block. Um, it can be a really long block. So I think it comes in many different forms. And so with me, I, I feel like I always have creative block. I feel like I am having sort of a creative block right now. Okay. But that's also because like, there's just a lot of things going on in my life right now, like, you know, priorities or things that I want to do. Um, you know, some people like there's there's a lot of things that one could do with a creative block. Like you could totally just take a break from the work and really just take a break from it. Which you know, I think I think there's validity to to that. One thing that I'd like to do is sometimes just like use that block to just uh study things. Um maybe like study from footages and just like copy images from that. That's good. Yeah. Just just like to expand that and you know, or maybe like Sometimes the creative block, man, I could talk about like creative block uh, all day. It can also happen with like, um, you know, there maybe there's something that it, there's like a hesitation in you that's like afraid to sort of like make mistakes or yeah yeah make errors. And, sure. you know, being someone in this industry for quite a while now and, you know, wanting to always produce good stuff, like you kind of have this. I kind of and because I'm ambitious, um, I kind of have this desire to like make the best thing that I can, um, and everything, whatever I do is going to be better than the previous thing, which is, which you shouldn't always think. And you know, sometimes I think it's a good thing to sometimes be an idiot. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, it's not like you're you're saying that you're stupid or you're bad or you're an idiot, but I think when I sometimes tell myself, like, I just want to be an idiot and, you know, be a, a dumb kid. I, to me, like, I don't find that negative. I find that freeing because yeah. it's not like saying, okay, I don't need to hold these standards against me. That's stopping me from doing these things. And, you know, I can poke fun at myself and I can just, like, you know, make crazy things. And, you know, at CalArts, we had the 48-hour film. And that's when everyone was an idiot everyone went to really like crazy sex jokes or there's a lot of rapey jokes yeah in those films but like the 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 thing that was so freeing about like 48 hour films is that you, you just you know go really fast you just wing it and you're it's okay to be you don't have to make the best thing you just try and make the thing that's either funny to you or fun for you and of all the films that I've made, I think the 40 hour films are my favorite experiences because, like, when I watch my films, I'm like, okay, I had fun. Okay, it's not meant to be good. And, okay, these are actually funny. But now that when I, when I watch my student films, I cringe because it's like, okay, maybe I was trying to be too serious. Or, oh, man, I was thinking so hard or trying to be so perfect. Like, I think those things made me cringe. But with 40 hour films, I could always watch those and say, Ah uh, yeah, you know. I was an idiot. It's cool.
1: Honestly. Yeah. I relate really to that a lot in the way that like, I feel for me, like creating or writing or drawing, like drama is so much harder than comedy. Cause comedy will always be, I mean, if you're doing yes. it's in comedy, it's always going to be funny, but drama can be cringe so
2: easily. Yes. So okay. Definitely. I, <laughs> I have stuff to say about that. I it's exactly how you said, I would prefer to make something that is. I would rather have someone laugh at my work that's trying to be serious than me doing work that's meant to be funny and no one laughs and just cringes. That's oh, That's funny. Yeah.
1: That's interesting. Because I feel for me, doing something funny is easier than doing something dramatic. Because if I do something dramatic and someone laughs, I will be so hurt. I will be so hurt. <laughs> I would be oh. way more hurt than if I do a joke and nobody laughs. Cause, um, I guess I'm more used to that. Like that's really I, interesting.
0: I don't. I don't feel that way. I, like I, I. feel like it's easier to do drama. Like drama is for me is easier because it's always kind of the same beats. And like you know, I know what kind of stuff will trigger an emotional response in people. But comedy is is hard because like if it's too predictable or if it's something that people have heard before or it's just like cringy. I don't know. Like I. That, I always have a harder time with with uh, good comedy. But that also might be uh, like an interesting reflection of like our own personalities. I don't know.
1: I feel like, yeah, like for me, the problem with drama is that if drama, like, of course, like I understand the beats and everything. Yeah. But if you're not being real, if you're not being real with the drama you put in, with the with what the character's going through, it's gonna come out cringy. And if you're being real and you show it, and somebody laughs. You're really being vulnerable there. You know what sure. I'm saying?
0: No, <laughs> I with, I get it, yeah. with
1: comedy, is like you're not being that vulnerable. Comedy is kind of an armor, as I see it. You know, for to you know, you from.
2: <laughs> I think it's because like I I tend to think very seriously sometimes or think too hard. Mm-hmm. um So like when I want something to be funny and I want everyone to have a good time, I think that's the thing. Like I want everyone to have a good time too. So. You know, it, like I remember at the the, studio, the open show at CalArts, like one of my films, Wolf Song, even though it's supposed to be dramatic, like everyone was drunk. Everyone was howling and everyone was just like laughing yeah. and we're going crazy. And I was just like, OK, we're all having a good time. So this is good. Like, I feel good because everyone's happy. But then, like, you know, I worked so hard on a joke and, you know, I think it's so funny. I'm like giggly about it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to tear down the house. And, you know, I pull it off and no one laughs. We're just like, man, dang it. And you know, I guess the truth is maybe I was just too serious on myself thinking about what could be funny. So that could also be a factor. Like um you said it's more than just um it's it's based on personality too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I,
0: I've I've like I mean I can only my example that I'm thinking of is with my short with Planet Panic, and like the the comedy, I re, you know, I wanted to make sure that it was like original but also kind of reminiscent of stuff people have seen because if it's too original and people don't get it and that i was really honing in on that but the, the dramatic beats were like easier because i think i already knew what the characters dynamics were and so the the big moment for me in that short was like at the end when like you know people start singing their song and then zeus starts singing along and like that to me was like this is the part that i want people to feel an emotion for And it's a comedy short, so like everything else had to be filled out and had to be interesting. But as long as that moment worked, it was just that one moment for me. I guess I think it also depends on like what the genre is and like what what your goal is with whatever piece you're producing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like your short was like more dramatic leaning and, and then you were kind of there was some jokes in there. Is that is that true?
2: no there were no jokes at all it was like a very it was quite serious
0: so okay so yeah so i mean if you were you were doing specifically drama and and (laughs) it did not get the right it was not getting the right response so yeah i can see that because that's that's a specific intent that you had yeah i don't know
1: what kind of like like you know drama you're going for because there's like you know there's like the like the drama in planet panic is really low yeah. key it's not like, it is low key. it's not like drama where you're supposed to cry or like that's really true sad or you're just you know it's just like oh this feels good like you know
0: yeah yeah i guess when i think of it i i yeah i think of it in the context of the kind of stuff i make which is lighthearted hearted and and yeah. um comedy driven so the dramatic moments when they the dramatic moments punctuate the comedy so hard that it's easier to get away with because it hopefully it takes you a, a back and you're like, wow, I did not expect that from this comedy thing.
2: Yeah, I think Futurama is one of those, right? Futurama is like, a great example. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Futurama
2: is great. Like even I though thought... it's like pitched as a um, like comedy, like there are moments that got eyed. Like yeah, and yeah. it's not. It's like low key drama. It's like very, very subtle.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. They they the, the hard part for them is making it funny. But I think it's like if you're focusing on comedy, that's going to be the hard part because it's harder to maintain that throughout a runtime, however long it is. But um, yeah, if you want to sneak in a dramatic moment, you kind of have, I don't even know what I'm trying to get at here, but I, but I think that like, depending on what you're pursuing, I think the other one will be easier because it'll catch people off guard. And so it'll be easier for for people to kind of accept it. So if it's like a dramatic you know story you're telling if you slip in a little comedy bit it'll be such a release that people will be more forgiving if it's not perfect because they they'll be like they'll wreck that's i think that's what i'm trying to get at is that it's like depending on your intent one or the other will be more challenging to get right yeah Yeah. Yeah,
2: no that's that's a fair point actually because i mean i think i was at a time where i just wanted like i i think like working on like a very dramatic film just made me sad and mellow. So like, sure. you know, seeing people like have a good time no matter if they laugh at a dramatic thing that I did, it's like, you know what? Maybe I did I did meet that after all. Like just just so just like everyone having a good time. Yeah. That's tough. I mean, a crowd
0: uh, you can't control an audience and like so I've definitely been there where I'm trying to show people something and they're like distracted or or not it's not the right mood or the vibe and I'm like this is supposed to be <laughs> like nobody's watching everyone's laughing and you're like just pissed off because <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. come on i work i work really hard to make this a certain tone so yeah i get that we had some good questions that i would love to ask you
2: Let's what's up it?
0: so from at fairy tank uh i'd be super interested to hear about your experience in canada and how it is to work in animation there also how much of a chance does someone have to enter a studio with a portfolio compared to without going to animation school is it frequent to have this kind of application
2: i, I, I mean so the thing is i never really worked in canada i only studied at sheridan for right. a year right. and it wasn't for animation it was just for art for the mentors. um so i don't really have much of a say to say about what it's like working in canada because i have never really had to work in canada in terms of like getting a job portfolio based or without going to school yeah, there are people who have, you know, gotten into animation. Actually, many people have gotten into animation without going to a formal school, but went through, like, maybe Concept Design Academy or online courses. And that would be something I would recommend if you just want to get into, like, a certain discipline that you know you want to get into. So the reason why I chose CalArts is because I like, the com- I like being in the community and I like making short films. And I just want to, like, learn a lot of different things and experience that college life. But... If you wanted to like just work in the industry, you know that you wanted to work as a story artist or an animator. There are like 10 session classes you could take just for like, I would say like $700 to $1,000. So that's like way, 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 way cheaper than your college school. And then you can make a portfolio on the side because yeah, it's true. Like most studios just look at portfolios and reels and they see if you can do the work or not. You don't really need a degree for that. But it's a different story with international students for sure. Because for international people to qualify for a work visa, um, you do need a degree. So Mm -hmm. anything equivalent of that or an actual degree. So that's the only thing that I would have to point out with people who have to deal with visas. They do need some form. If they want to get the work visa, then they have to go through like a degree course or something similar. But that doesn't mean that they can't, you know, do anything like the O-1. The O one technically does not mean you need to go to school, but you do need to have like an accomplishment in your career already, to or accomplishments to to qualify for that. So, yeah, I, I think it's I think that's the, the thing that I would point out. I know there, you know, there were people that, um, and this was years ago. They asked me about they asked me about. Don Bluth's animation program and from what I remember seeing it was like 10 grand for like a year or something which is like okay it's a a good deal but it is teaching like you know classical or old animation and you know there's nothing wrong with that at all but like this this person reached out to me and said hey so you know if I go to this school and I just put in my resume Does this mean I get automatically hired? So there are people who don't really know that you don't, there are people who think that you don't need a portfolio, but you just need to go to a good school or go through a system, whether that's a short class or whatever that is taught by someone prolific in the industry. Um, So they thought like connections or anything like that would be an instant hire. So yeah, there were people like that apparently.
1: i guess what you're trying to say is like at the end of the day it's not so much the degree it's the portfolio and if if you go to a school you can network you have an easier access to network which gives you a leg up and obviously if you're american you don't really need to go to a college because you you're not going to struggle with visas but if you're international you need a degree.
2: (laughs) Yes. And that's the thing that just like is the kicker of, um, because I mean, there's a lot of like online YouTubers who talk about, yeah, you don't need a school to, to go work in this industry, to work in this amazing field. But then, you know, as someone who is international, who had to go through all that, it's like, yeah, I have, I have some things to say about that. And you do too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess for the O1, if you do work in the local industry, like for example, if you if you're working in French animation or Australian animation for probably 5 years, that makes you more eligible than Yes. You, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> visa.
2: Oh, don't miss it.
0: Yeah, I completely get that. Uh, another question from at Madeline Madeline Prism. What about talking about what characters you like animating the most. If creatures or human uh, beings or perhaps a specific character he was assigned to do that, he really enjoyed bringing to life and an animation team he really enjoyed working with. I'm curious about
2: that. Definitely, um, man. I mean, every there's all, all the productions that I've worked in, I've benefited from like animating a bunch of different stuff. So, I mean, I think the one that I enjoyed the most was uh, Pig, the yeah. Dam Keeper poems. Mm-hmm. They're just like these really cute, bubbly animals like super cute um with dotty eyes and they just bounce around and th- you know they were really fun to animate because you didn't, you didn't need to think too hard but that's not to say that i don't have fun with like other types of characters so the production that i'm on it's realistic the characters are lanky um they're, their the limbs are long and the proportions are just like close to realism and the acting is just so detailed and even though that's like both frustrating it is like the challenging is but the challenge is like super rewarding because it like makes you really think about like all these very minute details so i would say like i enjoy a lot of it i do like i I mean i i guess you see me animate a lot of cute dancing dogs so i would say like cute dancing dogs is probably like up probably the top because it's like okay it's a snap a Pers a, a cute animal character with a big nose, and they just dance. Giant head, small body, dance. Easy, fun. Yeah, family that's friendly. The, that's the best stuff. <laughs> stuff that's easy yeah. and fun. <laughs> easy and fun.
0: Is there uh, any other questions that you had, V? Anything else?
1: I think that's it. I think I do kind of want to have you talk a little bit about what your future goals. You know how you're kind of thinking about maybe going indie uh, eventually or trying that out?
2: Yeah, so um so you know, it's still up in the air, but I did talk to like my coworkers and pe- professionals and people that I look up to like about their opinions about it. So, you know, I talked to like people that I respect. I think I got a few people's opinions about it, and they were all all of them were really supportive about it actually. Like they were like, "Hey, you know, Maybe you should just try it and see if you like it or don't like it. Because here's the thing. And I'm pretty sure like some of you have felt this before too. And I'm actually like making a video talking about this stuff, which is like, mm. you know, that career FOMO. Like,
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
2: do we want to see ourselves being a director or a lead or something? Or do we want to like venture out and do our own thing? And the grass is greener on the other side, no matter what. Yep. So it's like some people like like me, for example, it's like, man... You know, I would love to be given the opportunity, opportunity to like lead or direct a a major project. That would be really like a a good stepping stone for my career. And I do think of things like that, like, man, like what else is next for me? But at the, at the the end of the day, like thinking about that made me flash back to like 10 years ago or when I was at CalArts, because back then, like people were getting internships left and right. And people were getting like offers, and you know, you feel this career FOMO, or you feel stuck, or you don't feel like you're growing. And even though I'm a professional now, and even though like I feel like I'm doing pretty well in the industry, the feeling still stuck, and I didn't really know why. And maybe it's because I'm really ambitious, but you know, I always think about it like, do I want to stick around, you know, see if I'm not leaving, missing out on anything exciting, or do I just want to like, you know, maybe just try like doing something? On my own because it is so easy to like be tempted in a place or seeing yourself like career vanity wise like because like you know a part of me when i want when i think about being something like a director it's like maybe it is for vanity reasons and i don't know if i would really enjoy it so True. it's just small th- thoughts like that for sure mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I feel this is something I think about a lot as well. I think for me, the main reason why I do, don't go independent is that I haven't figured out how to make money. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, that's the tricky part. Yeah,
1: <laughs> NFTs, bro.
2: No <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> god.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I I get why, I think I get why a lot of people are were getting into it because it is like if you don't give a shit about the environment, it's an easy way to to make money but uh, you know at what cost
2: yeah yeah it's just i mean yeah like for me i just don't see the appeal of like trading nfts to other people so I, like it's for just, me like yeah i would only get into like a business or money making <laughs> scheme a money making plan if i know that i'm also a customer of so that's a scheme
0: like <laughs> 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 scheme. It, it's a pyramid scheme but yeah i i The whole thing is is dirty and messy. I had to mute it on Twitter because I got so fucking sick of hearing about
2: it. Yeah, no, there were, like, people, like, there was, like, you know, a lot of people shaming each other, and there's a lot of, like, virtue signaling on both sides. But, you know, one thing that I hated the most in this whole controversy is, like, people being dishonest with themselves. So there are artists who say, like, oh, we're doing it to represent, like, digital art and how we're worthy. And I'm just like, dude, shut up, man. Like, you're doing it for the money. Where were you when, like... (laughs) Just say like, what it
0: is. You want it to yeah, make a- you just want to make bucks. money.
2: Yeah, shut up. <laughs> there are so many times where I just I actually wanted to reach out and say, Bro, shut up. Like, shut that's up. not the truth.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it's fucking annoying. But it seems like it's already collapsing under itself, so. Yeah.
2: It's, it's kind of like what's happening with uh, OnlyFans. Like, mm-hmm. some people who get into it, it's like, Oh, you know, I'm expressing my sexuality and, you know, like, mm-hmm. my thing is not, it's it's an art piece, it's not an object of desire. Yet they're making so much bank from it. It's like, okay, yo, stop this preaching. You're digging yeah. for the money.
0: Like, that's fine. There's no shame in making and doing stuff for money. You got to pay your bills. Yeah. You
2: know, I, but... Like, I have nothing against that. um It's like, yo, if you want to make money, just be honest with yourself. Just don't try and, like, say you're otherwise because it's, it's both, it's, it looks bad on you and everyone else. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. People are going to tell themselves what they- what, anything that'll comfort them, I guess.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that- isn't that the reality
2: of-
0: Isn't that just how it goes? Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for coming on the show.
2: Of course! And, yo, I- I know that you guys are, um, still doing the Q-bomb stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. We are.
2: Because I- so, I might have heard wrong, but is that something that you are considering, like, full-time?
0: You know, um, I can't talk about much because there's a lot of things in motion. But, yeah, if I could, I would. I think that, like, I've talked about it here and there on a different podcast about how, like, animation has kind of burnt me out. And, and, you know, and even you were talking about how, like, you want to go indie. And so it's like, I'll take the first opportunity that lets me be independent and do my own thing. Mm -hmm. And I know that it'll come with its own struggles and it gets its own stresses because when you're... When you're not g- cashing a paycheck week to week from a company, you you got to find that money somewhere, you know. So mm-hmm. taking it back to the other conversations we had. And like, so with Cubone, it's like we make zero dollars right now. We've spent way more than we have gained. But if it were to work out where I could, yeah, fuck yeah. Like, why, why wouldn't I like go, you know, touring and, and doing merch and all these things? Like that, that shit's fun. And like, and if people like it, then even better. Oh, yeah. So... That's I, I. feel like a lot of people I know are are trying to go independent. It's like you spend enough years in animation or just working art jobs, and you start to you kind of. It seems like there's two paths. Either you fully commit to this is a job, and I'm just gonna clock in, clock out, and you know live my life, which is totally respectable, and I totally get it. But I, I see a lot of people who I think just want to have more creative control, and they want to you know. Be independent and and they kind of go this other path where they start trying to like take more risks and they're trying to find their own thing and monetize their own work i know the three of us seem to definitely have that goal
1: yeah and 100%. um
0: and so yeah you kind of just pick your path and i think we've we've all three of us have been doing this for years and years and so it's like you know you get into your 30s and you're just like okay well i spent my 20s hustling and to get to this point
2: <laughs> yeah yes
0: but it's like now what because i don't want to do this the rest for another decade or more and like the hustle is exhausting at the very least i want a different hustle <laughs> so you know that's that's the long answer i guess is is yeah like you Mom, is, is chugging along where we have so much planned and um we just we have to figure out a lot of stuff but there's a lot of good a lot of really cool news on the horizon so especially now that things are opening up Ooh, like okay. I, I have bookers that are like hitting me up for shows and they're and uh hey, so this cool. one person that's was awesome. like, oh you know, this one person was like i think that like you know we're hoping to ha- have a show in july like do you think you'll be available in july and i had to be like are we available in july because i was like yeah because it's like we're all gonna be vaccinated by like end of may right like everyone that that gives a shit is going to be vaccinated and whoever isn't fuck them like i feel like i might just even ask for vaccine cards at the front (laughs) you know like hey you're not getting into our show unless you have a fully vaccinated card Mm -hmm. and whoever doesn't fuck them like i don't care like it's been free and you you've had months and so by july i'm like yeah right like at some point we're gonna have to just get back to living our lives
2: that's true yeah it was just Um, it was
0: yeah it was weird to think about it was a weird like yeah i guess we're almost out of this huh
2: yeah because I, I mean i know that you deal with like concerts and stuff like that and you know yeah. i also heard like news reports of like concerts are going to be open again after the 16th and yeah you know part of me feels like maybe that's a bit too soon because there's a lot of people who are also like you know hesitant to take the vaccine or you know not everyone's going to be fully vaccinated by then because i well, mean we, yeah. some of us just got our first dose just now so
0: sure well yeah may is may is too soon june is even maybe too soon you know but at some point like it's it's never it's always going to be scary because we're all living with this fear now but like it's just going to have to happen like there's a whole gigantic industry and all these venues and people's livelihoods yeah
1: is good like honestly because they've been able to vaccinate so many people in just like one month one or two months like
0: it's been crazy fast
2: it's been fast yeah because um i don't know like did you when you got yours or did
0: i got my second
2: oh dang already yeah nice
0: well i had there there was like a a place that needed to fill slots and and we jumped on it and that was a month ago you know it's not
2: baker's okay
0: no uh i forget the name but it was it was like an hour drive but it was worth it (laughs) you know and it was smooth but yeah i got in there and uh i had my second dose last tuesday and i'm fine it didn't really affect me.
2: What'd you get, Moderna? No, I got Pfizer. Pfizer. I got Pfizer. Okay.
0: But it. Uh, what's funny is that I the day that I woke up to get my second dose, I woke up with like a horrible muscle spasm, and uh, in my neck. And so like for the next three days, all of my pain was just from that. And everything, all my other symptoms, I was just like, who cares? Like I was a little achy. I was like, whatever. I can barely fucking move. Like it was. So it was just like, I guess it was a good thing that I like. I had a horrible yeah. neck injury, but it, uh, it's, I still feel it a little bit, but it was, um, it wasn't too bad. Uh, my girlfriend had a hard, had a harder time with like the muscle aches and the, you know, Oof, the chills yeah. and stuff. But yeah. I was... just,
2: um, got mine last Thursday and the next day I felt like low fatigue and kind of crap yeah. and sick. And then I was still, I think yesterday, like I was feeling better. Okay. So I was like, you know what my friends are doing, are going back into jiu-jitsu so that's another oh, yeah. thing that i do too so like you know just yesterday we just tried to strangle each other so i think like <laughs> i'm just so like not only am i sore from the vaccine but i'm also sore on my neck too and i yeah. think the vaccine is just adding to that pain right now i so.
0: wonder yeah I, I wonder if maybe my neck stuff only got worse because of the vaccine because it was like my immune system was having a hard time but well
2: from what i heard from what i heard it's Mm -hmm. like if you are having like some symptoms or or a reaction to it it means your immune system is like working and you're young
0: yeah exactly yeah my my dad was saying that like he probably won't feel it he didn't feel it actually yeah he got a second dose and he wasn't really feeling it much and he says that like when you're older your immune system that's it's like your immune system just isn't as good and so Mm -hmm. it's not it's not um functioning as well yeah it's not reacting as well which is interesting. You'd think it's the opposite, but yeah, we're we're young, we're vaccinated, and
1: it's You're time radical.
0: to radical. It's time to fucking party, man. <laughs> I bet that I bet that LA. This is becoming the vax cast.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness! It's like so because the vaccines are open. Like LA traffic is back. Everyone's driving oh, harsh God. again around Glendale.
0: That's been and- that way for a while.
2: Oh, but even more so because I I went to get I went to pick up food and that lot is empty. But now that there's traffic and there's indoor and outdoor dining, I I had to park a few blocks away just to walk to the restaurant, pick up the food and then walk back and drive back here.
0: Yeah, it sucks. I I went to Whole Foods for the first time in like six or seven months. Like usually you get delivery. And uh, I was like, ah, there it is. There's the feeling of always being in the way, always feeling like you're uh, in somebody's way and uh hated it
2: yeah i haven't um i haven't like went to uh what's it called trader joe's since oh, since god the lockdown. i trader joe's ah. oh yeah ah.
0: oh it's the I, fucking
2: worst no matter where you go you're in the way that's true it's, it's yeah oh, it, and it's also like super all well, the lines are super long so i'm just mm-hmm. like you know what maybe maybe i don't need this uh very specific chocolate or salmon maybe i can just go to like rouse and get yeah. whatever suffices
0: Vaccines, uh, well, not vaccines, but like the whole um, quarantine life. Like I think it opened up a lot of businesses, and it also took off. Not maybe not the stigmas, but like ordering in or ordering groceries used to feel like a luxury to me, and now I'm like, why? I don't know. Whatever. It's like worth the money to not have to deal with the fucking time you is spend, yeah you
2: know? like now it's like yeah sure i'll do it <laughs> i'll do it instacart doordash instacart, it's like oh, yeah. yeah oh my god i can get this like very specific shuffle alioli that i don't have to find in a market but find it's, on a browser oh my god yeah. it really
0: opens up the uh the grocery game <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah oh, you don't have to worry about it but anyway that's the end of this creative block Thanks to Taniko for being our guest and sharing his story.
1: Thanks, guys. And thanks to your listeners. Follow us on Twitter. It's at CreativeBlog, Creative Without the Vowels, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to my sister Clemens for editing the podcast.
0: Please subscribe to the channel if you love our content. I've been your host, Gene.
1: And I was V. Keep being creative, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Get your
0: vaccines. Bye.
1: Bye.